0: What's going on and welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside Pelicans.com writer Jim Ikenhofer. It's good to be home after a quick West Coast road trip. It was two games out in Los Angeles and Sacramento where the Pelicans split the series as the Pelicans lost on Friday night to the Los Angeles Lakers and then defeated the Sacramento Kings on Saturday night. So Jim, I guess you'll take it, especially how hard it is to win on the road to split. And actually, the way that things are working out in the standings here, the Sacramento game was pretty important.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, it was uh, definitely a little frightening at the end of the Sacramento game. Oh, yeah. You you know, it's really frustrating to be up four points and foul in that situation. But when I look back at at the play, it was really, to me, just a wrong place, wrong time kind of thing for Brandon Ingram. I mean, it was just unfortunate. It wasn't like he was lunging at the guy and smacked him across the arm and... The shot banked in. It was really just kind of an unfortunate set of circumstances there. But the bottom line is that the Pelicans won the game, and I feel like they were able to shift quickly into. Yeah, it was it was rough the way that game ended, but at least it was a win. And so, like you said, you you split a road trip. Based on the way they played on the road earlier in the season, you would have been happy as heck with any split of any road trip. So I guess at the, at this point, you'll you'll take it if you can, you can keep.
0: Um, playing 500 or better on the road, that'll be a huge plus. And you still won five of six, so it's not like you know you're disappointed after a one and one road trip. You still won five of six, and we also have to talk about the play of Lonzo Ball because in these last three games he's been playing out of his mind. And again, I think he and some of his teammates are not really surprised by this, but it's just nice to see uh, this is what we kind of expected from him when he was acquired in the trade.
1: It's been so interesting just to see the way he's taken his play to such a. High level. I mean, for him to contribute across the board the way he has, for him to not only have his best scoring stretch here since he came to New Orleans this summer, but also of his entire career, it's been pretty fascinating to see how uh, he's played lately. And also, I'm really interested. I feel like people have asked this question a few times, but not necessarily gotten it, the answer. But, um, and I don't mean that in like a negative way or a malicious way, but it's just, it's really interesting to think about his health, as far as how much of a factor that that's been to why he's played so well lately. It seems like his the ankle injury that he had and other injuries, ailments that he's had, have definitely negatively affected him. But now, he, all of a sudden, he's he looks so much quicker. He looks um, really athletic. He's had a couple of plays where he's driven to the basket and dunked on somebody, or just you know glided by the defense easily. It didn't seem like he was doing that very much in the first. 20-plus games of the season, but all of a sudden, lately,
0: he's been doing that, it seems like, once at least once a game. Aaron Falk, who writes for the Utah Jazz, will uh, come on in just a few minutes here to talk about tonight's matchup as the Pelicans begin a two-game homestand uh, tonight with Utah and then wrap up on Wednesday against the Chicago Bulls. Um, but, Jim, before we get into Utah here, let's talk about the standings for a little bit. J.J. Redick, the fact that he mentioned it after the win on Saturday night means that some of those guys are keeping an eye out on it, which – as crazy as it sounds, being 12 games under 500, you're within three of the eight spot. It's pretty unprecedented over the last 20 years that you would be 12 games under 500
1: this deep into the season and still have a le- legitimate, realistic chance to say that you can make a run at getting into the playoffs. But for once, being in the West has been beneficial. I, I would say there's n- no reason to feel uh, bad about it based on what we've gone through the last, you know, 10, 15 years that 10 years that you've been here. Or so. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, I I was kind of, uh, I was kind of laughing to myself a little bit. The fact that JJ was so aware of that, because as we know, before the season, he talked about how it was crucially important that he keep his playoff streak going. So it's funny that he was so aware of it. And, um, I touched on this in one of the things that I wrote, uh, yesterday when we were coming back from Sacramento is just, um. The way that the teams in eight through fourteen, Pelicans are still fourteenth, but they're only three out. Like you said, the way that that pack of teams are playing right now, it's made it very conceivable for New Orleans to get back in the race. And there's a bunch of teams that they have to jump. But it's it's I'm I don't know if shocked is the right word, but if you think about where they were when they were six and twenty-two and they had lost thirteen games in a row, how quickly that they you're able to sit here and say like, okay, the playoffs are. A realistic thing is pretty amazing.
0: And on that note, let's turn our attention to tonight's game between the Pelicans and the Utah Jazz. Joining us now is Aaron Falk, who covers the Utah Jazz for utahjazz.com. Aaron, appreciate you coming on. How's everything going?
2: It's going well. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Not a problem, and things are going really well for the Utah Jazz right now. They've won five in a row heading into tonight's matchup with the New Orleans Pelicans. Aaron, let's go with a simple question first. What's been clicking for this Utah Jazz team during this five-game winning streak?
2: Well, I, uh, I guess I'd probably point to three things, maybe four things here. One, Donovan Mitchell's really started to, to come into his own. I mean, he's he's made the leap that, that so many people wanted to and maybe expected him to make. He, his, his shot making has been masterful. I mean, he's, uh, you know, I know the league's kind of gone away from, from mid-range, but he's so strong and he's getting so smart with some of these, these shots right now that he's, He's really taken this to another level. Um, two, Rudy Gobert continues to, uh, to be a, a, a very dominant defensive presence and, and coming along. Three, the, probably one of the biggest changes, obviously, is uh, this, this team started off uh, with, with some really poor bench production, forced the, uh, the front office to make some moves, you know, trading away Dante Axum, bringing in Jordan Clarkson. Um, freeing up some more minutes for for George Niang, who's the the, the stretch four off the bench, and that bench reduction has has started to come around in the last little while. And then for and the other thing is I mean, the, the the strength of schedule; it, it's definitely favored the Jazz over the last little while. So it's been actually I think a, a good opportunity for them to start to click, start to gel against uh, in, during an easier stretch of the schedule, and you hope that that pays dividends later on.
1: Aaron, you know it's interesting. It seems like Utah seems to do this every year where they get off to kind of a rough start and then all of a sudden it clicks in and they become one of the hottest teams in the West or one of the best teams in the West. Um, Is it encouraging to you though? It seemed like they did it earlier this year than they usually do as far as it didn't take them nearly as long to kind of um, kind of kick it into gear this time.
2: Yeah, I I think so. And you know, I've I've seen and, and heard a bunch of different theories about that. It's you know, they brought in 10 new players this season. Quinn Snyder um, has some some very, you know, complex things that he likes to do mm-hmm. offensively and defensively. And, and so there's thoughts that, you know, maybe it takes guys a little while to get up to speed. And, and while that's going on, you know, this, if you just look at, at, at the numbers, like this, this, the Jazz started with the most difficult part of their schedule was the start of the year. So while you're trying to get all of that figured out, you're going against your toughest competition, and I think just kind of naturally, mentally, it's sometimes hard to feel good about what you're doing when, when you're not getting the results you wanted. Um, starting five, they upgraded uh, you know, with, with Conley, with, with Bogdanovich. Um, starting five has been really good this year, it just, and then you had that bench drop off whenever you, know, you go to your second unit. Now that's starting to click. Um, like I said, George Niang, is coming in he he's shooting like 45% over the last 10 games here. Um, Jordan Clarkson's been a spark plug. Tony Bradley, the, the backup center has, has taken some of Ed Davis's minutes and played really well. Um, so so yeah, I I think, you know, it is encouraging. Um we'll we'll see kind of You know, what their ceiling is, especially when Mike Conley returns from from his hamstring injury. Mm -hmm. But yeah, right now, right now, definitely uh, ahead of of what you saw from them, you know, this time last year.
1: It's funny you mentioned the schedule as far as, you know, really difficult schedule to start the season. It seems like people have talked about that several years in a row with Utah. And it's kind of also something that we've noticed here with the Pelicans. It seems like for some reason they always have their hardest part of the schedule. At the very beginning, do you guys have any theories as to why that seems to always be the case that Utah, in the first part of the season, plays such a tough slate, and then and then it kind of flips in the second half of the season?
2: You know, I, I'm I'm not sure. I, maybe maybe somebody upset the schedule makers. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I I I don't I don't really um, have a, have a good explanation for that. There's nothing. You know, I mean, San Antonio has its you know like rodeo road trip and right. you know, all these like right. act, actual like. Logistical issues that that force the schedule to like to uh, to open up for or put you on the road for a long period of time. We don't really have anything like that here, per se. Don't play um, Sunday games here, and, and maybe that that changes some some things as, as it goes on. But I don't I don't think there's any um, great reason. It's just sort of how it's shaken out the last few years.
0: Aaron, let's talk a little bit about tonight's matchup between these two teams, and I'm very intrigued about um, the front court matchup, of course, of Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors in the first matchup in Utah. Uh, neither guy played um, in that ball game, and so this is really the first look at former teammates playing against each other. What intrigues you about this matchup between guys that just played with one another?
2: Well, I, I think, you know, these these Derek, Derek and Rudy um, really got along well, and, and Derek Favors, uh, you know, respected completely in that Jazz locker room. That being said, I, I'm sure he wants to yam on Rudy so bad, so <laughs> it will— it will uh, it will be fun to just see him out there and and you know we would love watching Derek Favors here he's um, I'm I'm glad, really glad to see him uh, healthy and, and obviously playing well the last few weeks especially um, you know with dealing with what he's dealt with personally with the loss of his mom um, but it's you know just, just on, on the court it's it's two different styles I mean Rudy will have um, you know he's gotten a lot better at being able to to go out and defend on the perimeter but what Derek does with it, with a short roll and, and his ability to shoot from fifteen feet and his ability to, to do some of these things and, and also his ability to, to you know roll and, and kick to the corner um, provides a lot of a lot of uh, difficulties and so it'll be just a just a fun matchup to see how much Rudy can, can counter that with, with his own defensive abilities.
0: It's been amazing to see the difference in how the Pelicans are playing with Derek Favors on the floor. They've won five of six, and we have to—I think Jim would agree with me—that Derek Favors is a big part of that. Are you surprised, by the way, how much he's impacted the Pelicans um, on the floor when he's been healthy?
2: No, I, I mean I, I'm really not. I know I know you know it's, it's Utah it doesn't get a lot of um, national publicity and and you know, a lot of eyes on on the Jazz throughout the regular season, but when Derek Favors is healthy. He he is so good. He's a, I think a tremendously underrated player has been for a long time, and maybe that just comes with, with you know being such a high draft pick and, and you know what what expectations are and that sort of a thing. But um, he, he's you know they started him and, and Gobert together in, in a league that's trended smaller, and and you know that wasn't going to work long term probably. But when they did have him, he was the best backup center in the NBA as far as I'm concerned. He came in he. Won them playoff series. Rudy Gobert goes down against the Clippers a couple of years ago, and and if you don't have Derek Favors, you lose that series. Derek Favors helps them win that Oklahoma series. Um, the, the Jazz a couple of years ago as well. And so, no, I'm 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 not surprised. He's extremely skilled. You know, his, his corner three point shooting. He tried to add that. It didn't turn into the, the great weapon that would allow him and, and Rudy to play together. But. As a center, um, as a role man, like he he can impact the game. So I'm I'm not surprised to see what he can do. Aaron, as
1: I'm sure you can probably imagine, there's some palpable excitement building around here because of you no, know, there's been a lot of discussion about how Zion Williamson is getting closer to returning, and it's something that even the Pelicans players mentioned um, after the last game Saturday in Sacramento. Utah is actually one of the only, really one of the just four teams that actually got to see him play because he was on the court during preseason before he missed the last New Orleans preseason game. What were your impressions of him, as, and maybe in particular to how he kind of uh, attacked Rudy Gobert and went right at him? It just seemed like for a rookie that's or for any player, that's something that you don't see too often. But what did you what did you think about uh, just getting to watch him play during that preseason game?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the excitement should be palpable. I'm, I'm excited. I, w- I want to see him back on the court. He, sure. Um, he, he was... Yeah, that that preseason game was um, was awesome. It was 26 points. The, the way he's able to, you know, get his shot outside. But then you watch and just just how smart and, and obviously how athletic he is, but how how much body control he has to to go at, go bare, to stay, you know, to be strong and, and switch hands. Um, it's a challenge. You know, I think it's something that that Rudy. Rudy is a really is a really good and smart defender, and as as I'm sure you know, you get reps against someone and, and see them. You know, you, you, he will try to to uh, counterbalance some of that stuff. But yeah, just, just the strength that he has to go right into Rudy's chest and and change hands and, and and convert. Like, I'm super excited to see what what he can do um, with his career going forward, and and I you know there should be some great battles over, over the years for sure.
1: Yeah, you know. um... I guess kind of turning back to your your team as well. One of the one of the things I was wondering about with with um, Utah is as, w- as far as the turnaround or the just becoming one of the hotter teams in the league in the West lately. It seemed like Joe Ingles got off to kind of a slow start this year. He's I'm I'm sure I think he's a guy that we've talked about here as kind of a pelican killer. He's been a guy that's had a lot of huge games against New Orleans over the years. Um how much do you think the of him going back into the starting lineup was a was a factor in and why he's played so much better lately than kind of compared to the way he did at the beginning of the season?
2: Yeah, I, I definitely think it, it was a factor. I mean, just, just in terms of who he's playing with, um, when he lost Derek Favors, like the, the Ingles Favors pick and roll was, was the bread and butter of, of that, um, you know, sort of as, as Quinn Snyder stat, staggered his his uh, rotations there, that was, that was a go-to for them. So he, he sort of lost, that steady role, man. Um, he, he was asked to sort of create as the, you know, the, the main creator in the second unit, as that's changed, he's, he's gotten go bareback to roll with. He's not having to create all of his um, shots himself. Now he's got Donovan and, or, and when Mike Conley's healthy, um, you know, finding, finding Joe for some catch and shoot stuff that he wasn't getting really with that second unit. I'll be interested to see how that shakes out. When, when Mike Conley comes back, will so Neil move move to the bench or will Joe move back to the bench and, and then just sort of, sort of the rotation gets staggered so he still has some of those minutes with Rudy but I think pairing Ingles and Rudy together has has really opened up a lot of things and, and unlocked his game and, and he's and he's shooting the ball a lot better and, and that's you know I think all those those things are definitely connected
0: well we've certainly learned a lot from your visit here Aaron as far as these two teams are concerned tonight should be a fun one at the Smoothie King Center and I really appreciate the time
2: of course hey you guys have a good night
0: there he goes. That's Aaron Falk who covers the Utah Jazz for utahjazz.com. Pelicans and Jazz tonight from the Smoothie King Center, 7 p.m. Central tip-off. You can watch it, of course, on Fox Sports New Orleans or listen on ESPN, New Orleans 100.3 FM. But also we encourage you to come out and support the squad as they've won five of their last six games, an important stand before they go back on the road for three games on the East Coast. And that ends on Wednesday night here against the chicago bulls also if you didn't know that there is a new start time to friday's game at new york it was supposed to be a 7 p.m central tip-off but because they took one of the second games of the double hitter off and added lakers mavs they're going to move up the pelicans and knicks one hour so it'll be a 6 p.m central tip-off on friday night on in madison square garden and that'll be on espn fox sports new orleans and espn New Orleans, 100.3 FM. On Wednesday's podcast, we'll have John Hollinger on, who covers the NBA for The Athletic. He wrote a great piece on the Pelicans last week during their four-game winning streak. I strongly urge you to read that one before we have him on, but he's been on the Pelicans' beat. Seems like he's been at a few of their games between last week, and he was on the road at the game as the Pelicans took on the Lakers this past Friday night. So it'll be a good podcast guest on Wednesday, and then, of course, we'll have a preview of the East Coast trip on Friday for you as well. Until then, for Jim, I'm Daniel. Go Pelicans, and we'll talk to you tonight at Smoothie
2: King Center.